Welcome back to the Two and One Podcast, aka the Sweet Cajun Inferno Trail Mix Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> this is um, your host Anna and yeah. Victor. Yeah, that's me. Back for another week. Mm-hmm. Another of week podcasting. Podcast goodness. Of podcast goodness. Uh, this um, week we got something special with you guys. Uh, we are um, going to jump into the weeds of Scientology a bit. Uh, we've been wanting to do this for a while. And but but before all of that, did you watch Attack on Titan? This is your warning. Spoilers. There you go. Huge spoiler alert. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> I think, okay, we're going to add like a spoiler warning like early on because this is like the first thing that we're talking about. But mm. um, Attack on Titan. Okay. Um, I, what do you, I was what savage do you and I cried. <laughs> I cried during Zeke's episode. I love that episode. That was my favorite episode of them all. Like, wait, was that the most recent one or the one before? Uh, the one most recent one. The most recent one. Yeah, with Zeke and the where the he's like playing catch, catch yeah. and shit, bro. Like, I knew they were gonna do that. I knew they were gonna make this fucker yeah redeemable. As yeah, fuck. like, oh, it, I, I loved it. I don't it. know. Okay, we I were loved talking. It. We were talking off the pod about how like I don't I I don't think the plan is all that good. The LD and euthanization. I think plan. it's pretty good. I think it's fucked. I think it's fucked, but it's pretty good. I I don't. I mean, it's efficient for sure. If if that's like if that's our definition of good, I think it's efficient. It gets the job done. Like whatever the goal is, it accomplishes that goal. But my question is like, okay, when you're talking about Eldians, are you talking about all Eldians, yeah. or are you just talking about the ones that have been exposed to that, no? He's like, talking about spinal all, fluid. all Eldians, right? Because like. Well, okay, that's actually a good question because it's only when Zeke hits up all these, like when he yells, right? He can turn all the um, Eldians that have ingest, in, ingested yeah. his spinal fluid, right? But the Founding Titan is like the Founding Titan. Yeah. He's got the power of all Titans at his disposal, right? But only the people who can turn into Titans or who Can't, have been turned into Titans. But isn't that everyone though? Like, uh, I mean, like, no, okay, not turned into Titans, maybe not everyone, but. Like regular, regular people. Who live on on paradise? Mm. Are they affected by this? I kind of think they are because, like, it's the founding titan that, like, I feel like the. I mean, maybe the lore is not completely correct on my side of things, but it sounds like the founding titan is able to mutilate everyone's body accordingly or have it like like done exactly what they want. So, like, it that what what it seems like is they want to make everyone unable to bear children, mm-hmm. make them infertile. Whatever you got to do, you know, hysterectomies, all that shit, uh, but Founding Titan style. And because it seems like a huge loophole to not do that with everyone, because what you could do is make someone breed that wasn't uh, like a Theoretically, titan, you could. And then inject them that. with spinal fluid. Who's yeah. to say? Because like it's it's around. Theoretically, it's, you could take everybody who hasn't, every normal Eldian that hasn't been exposed to spinal fluid or that hasn't been like turned into any sort of... um like titan mm-hmm. uh, you could do that you could do that you could because like they had the sh- they had the goods they had the spinal fluid goods yeah like locked away in parodies yeah which is what they were only able to grab yeah you know so there's more in marley you know yeah but my i don't know my thing is like that's just not fair it's just not fair what they, they can't have kids fair. who gives a fuck fuck them kids uh, yeah you I can't guess. make them suffer what you have it like what someone has a like, armin has a kid and fucking like the kid gets to survive I'm this not say- but I'm thinking of like the the characters that live in the villages that we don't even know. Like 
un like nameless characters, mm -hmm. regular degulars that are that just happen to be Eldians. What right? they're gonna live their lives and that's it? <clears throat> yeah, but what if they want to? Well, the have thing kids? is, they're not gonna they're not gonna live their lives. What's coming towards the island? You know, what's it's the world? That is true. The world. Yeah, impending doom. These are Jews, and the world is Germany, bro. Like straight up. No that one, is true. It, you see so much tragedy with these so people. Unfair. These yes, are just like you see them as such it. underdogs. They don't deserve it. That you it. want them to win. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be shitted on like this. Like they don't deserve to be turned into titans. There's, there's no reason why if a kid gets to survive out of this, mm -hmm. like if everyone, like if the founding titan turns everyone infertile or whatever, mm -hmm. and somehow some kid comes along the way, like it's just not fair. In case it survives, that. You get the you get the chance of turning into a titan. Yeah, you know, no one like, and it's the last of its kind. Yeah, that's that's really risky. I just don't like it. I get I get the efficiency point behind it. It does make sense, but mm. I don't like it. Some god tier just, anime, chosen, bro. I've chosen my roosters, and I know who I'm like gutting for, and and it's not it's not Aaron, it's not Zeke. You know, I, I get Armin. what they're doing. It's Armin. It's Armin. <laughs> Armin got his ass whooped, bro. It's Armin he and Connie. He got his ass whooped, bro. Yeah, that's why I, I want to go for him. Because <laughs> he got his ass beat. He got his ass beat. He really got his ass beat, and that's why I'm on his side. Yeah, you that's know. That's why I'm with him. I feel sorry for anyone who gets ass beating, too. But honestly, it doesn't make it. Aaron and, and, and Zeke are, you know. I mean, they. Aaron does have the hammer titan. He's got it all, bro. He's OP the as fuck. Titan? Yeah, the Warhammer Titan. Yeah, the Warhammer. The Warhammer Titan. And that's pretty much like unbeatable. Like, I mean, it, it's it going to be hard to take that down. It was beaten. Like, by Aaron, but. I get. I'm... Shit, then maybe there's hope. I don't know. No, I mean, Aaron's got three of those fuckers. You know, he's got the Bounty got... Titan, the Attack Titan, and the Warhammer Titan. Well, who's the Bounty Titan? The Bounty Titan? The Founding. The Founding Titan? Yeah. Ymir. Like, Ymir's Titan. He's got the Founding Titan. He's got the Warhammer Titan. And he's got the... Attack Titan. Uh, the Attack Titan. He's got the OP Titans all in his arsenal, bro. Yeah. Who's the next best thing? The Cart Titan? No. The Beast Titan. The Beast Titan. But the Beast Titan's on his side. But no, that's the thing. is like the Beast Titan's the on his side. The Titan, which is Armin. Yep, all on his side. Who has the Armored Titan? Armored is, is a... Is, is, is Reiner. Reiner still? Yeah, he's still got that. He's, he's trying. About? Reiner's still trying to go to oh, parodies. Fuck. Maybe the Colossal Titan and then and then the Armor Titan can come together somehow and whoop Aaron's ass. No, and whoop Aaron's ass. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Aaron. I don't think so either. But hey, that's a true underdog story, and if it happens, then I'm fucking down for it. You know, I just think it's. I think it's a good plan. I think it's a good plan. I mean, it's a very good plan, and they have people on their side. Yeah, like they have Jaegerus mm -hmm. and shit. Like it's all super planned. The Jaegerus are wild. Oh yeah, Flock is Flock's a wild boy. I I didn't I I guess if you read the manga, you would have been introduced mm. to Flock a long time ago. But I just found out who Flock was this season, and I was like, whoa! Oh, I just found out. No, who Flock, he was I around. I want to know more about Yelena. Yelena? Yeah, mm, yeah. Yelena. Like, she seems to have a lot of pull, and I know I've seen her like a couple of episodes mm, mm -hmm. in flashbacks. Yeah, I want to know more about her. Oh, all, sure. all you know is that she's a foreigner, and Marley fucked up her her her, her um her country or her town, whatever the fuck. Yeah, you know? and she just wants revenge, and she's all about Zeke, and of course she's all about Zeke because she's trying to say fuck Marley. I oh, think she, she has oh, she's like a to deeper say, plan at hand. I, I think she's just a bigger like she's not a pawn, but she's a she. Maybe she's like a Mikasa type character that just like follows orders. Yeah, absolutely. Like she's all about Zeke. It's either that or she has a deeper plan. Like she, she, I think she understands that Zeke and Aaron are the reasons why they have to like keep going. 
Deacon Yeager are the reason why Elena has to keep going and like try her best. And she's just giddy with the idea of getting rid of Titans. Yeah. Which is honestly, if you're anyone from the outside world, from other than Mar- like even further from Marley, aren't why aren't you involved in this? Yeah. How are you not like excited about this? Everyone that got their every country that got their asses whooped by these titans that should Marley be, had, like, thrilled should, about uh, exactly. And you you look at Yelena, she's giddy at it. I wonder has Zeke like shared this plan with anybody else? I don't think he has. Well, because like Zeke's been operating on the secret this whole time. Like his whole backstory was just like. It seemed like he gave up his parents, but in reality, mad spoiler alerts for guys, if you have not been watching this shit, it like, but like in the beginning of this, like in like the first couple seasons, mm-hmm. it was portrayed that he sold out his dad, like yeah. Aaron's dad, you know, and in reality, he was just trying to save himself. That's all he could do. There was no other hand he had. Yeah. You know, it was either like as soon as everyone in Marley found out that that Zeke's parents were uh, the LD and restorationist or whatever the fuck you want to call him, he knew it was game over. He was just doing what the doc said. Dr. Claver or Claver or whatever the fuck his name is. The then I, I, I feel B-Titan. like the, the logical conclusion to this and the smart place to take this is to share this plan with the world because who wouldn't want to carry this out? Yeah. Who yeah. wouldn't want to have like an Eldian euthanization yeah. carried well, out? I mean, that's why Elena's so interesting because she's so on board. She's so on board. Is she an Eldian? What is no, she? She's uh, No, she's outside. Like she's just someone whose land got or country got fucked by Marley. So she's not an Eldian Mm-mm. and she's not a Marleyan. That's someone else outside, you know. Kinda like how like that who's that one black guy, you know? She's, she's probably, like from somewhere else. Yeah, just like that guy, you know. Well then why don't they get their people and everyone else in the world involved in if if the Titans are such a threat, you feel me? Well, because there was no reason to until like now. Like there's no there was no way. Because, like, you had the Founding Titan parodies. Then I parodies. would get on it now. I would tell Well, I mean, that's like, what they're doing. They're, like, they're all about it. Like, they're like, euthanize, you know, get Aaron and Zeke together. I don't know, because, like, the that the black character is on the side of Hanj and Armin and them. Now she is. Now he is. That guy is, like... When he, he was, should be on the side of... He was working with Yelena, though. But Yelena didn't tell him shit. Like, when all this started happening... Why not? Because they're... You can't tell, honestly, dude, in every TV show or every, like, series, there's, like, you can't be completely honest with, like, your comrades for some fucking reason. I don't know why. Like, I feel like if they told, like, the people of Parodies that, like, the euthanization plan, maybe they all be down for it. But also, I feel like they're anticipating pushback from everyone else, mm-hmm. you know? Because if you show all your cards and then it turns out it wasn't as good as you thought it was, yeah, you know, you're going to have a riot or a revolution. They might eat to Aaron for all we know, you know? Yeah, maybe they're just keeping it all under wraps. I don't know. It just seems like this is a plan that everybody would be on board with. And I don't know. I, f- I can understand, like, how people aren't on board. Because what if, like, you want to have kids, you know? Like, any random citizen in Paradise or Marley, you know, that was in the internment zone, like, what if they want to have kids? What if they were trying to have kids? Like they get don't they get a voice too? Yeah, that is true. That is true. So fuck them. Let's just do it. Yeah. Well, all right. Enough about Attack on Titan. Yeah, we gotta talk about that, guys. This Anyways. Is, this this episode, what we came here to talk about today is L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology. Yeah, the founder, um, this guy, it was in within like this most recent, like a nineteenth 1900s you know mm-hmm. um 1950s to be exact when he really started getting into like the weeds of things of scientology mm-hmm. um he's known to 
to be an author, but also he's like his peers have quoted him. I mean, it's not directly quoted, but the quote kind of goes as why make a penny per word when I could just make a religion, make millions. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what he did. You know, I mean, he was smart, smart guy, I guess. Yeah. But look, we're going to go through his life right now. And you tell me if he's smart at the end of this, because it doesn't sound like a smart way. Like, yeah, he had money and he had all this estate, but it doesn't sound like he had a good time. I mean, he, yeah, he went through a lot. Mm-mm. He went through a lot Mm-mm. just to, I don't know, get get the word out. Yeah. <laughs> just to get the word out, he went through a lot. It's just like he was chasing this fucking dragon the entire time, and it just brought him nothing. Like, honestly, it just, in the end, he just, like, he just ended up dying, you know, with really not much. I mean, yeah, he had money, but fuck, who cares? Like, when you, in the way he, well, let's just go through this yeah, shit right just, now. Yeah, let's just go through the life of L. Ron Hubbard. We're going to take you to through um his early life we're gonna tell you a bit about the founder of this like insane religion that every celebrity subscribes to and we're just gonna try to pick his brain and see like where all these ideas came from this all started with like self-help like he was really into like just the human soul and like trying to get better and just being a better person um and then it just kind of went like a little wild it just it just went south good it just went south. So All want, right. You want to kick this off? Yeah. All right. So, L. Ron Hubbard. By the way, his name is Lafayette Ron Hubbard. That's what the L stands for. Lafayette. Banging. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would have gone by Lafayette. <laughs> but L. Ron Hubbard, he was born in Tilden, Nebraska on March 13, 1911. He was the only child of Harry Ross Hubbard, um, who was a, a former U.S. Navy soldier but at the time that Elron was born, he worked as a, a newspaper employee. He just worked at his local newspaper. His mom was Ladora May uh, Waterbury, and she was just a housewife. She studied to be a teacher, but at the time that Elron was born, um, she was just a housewife. Mm-hmm. So Elron Elron was born, only child. Um, and then when he was two, his family moved to Helena, Montana, and that's where he grew up essentially that's where like his his childhood took place so he was born in Tilden, nebraska but he grew up in helena montana and then um this was just like on the cusp of world war one so when harry ross hubbard um re-enlisted in the u.s navy uh around that time of world war one l ron hubbard and his mom basically tagged along he for for his age of of being a young kid and he was like so young and and barely coming up in the world he was pretty well traveled he went to guam he went to japan um china uh the philippines he got around and then um he traveled as a child and then around the the 1920s <clears throat> the hubbards relocated um back back and forth and then during this time l ron hubbard he journaled a lot of what he lived in the philippines and china and guam like all these places he wrote it down and the shit was like pretty racist <laughs> like he he just because i mean he he got he lived in the u.s mm. and then he documented what he saw overseas and it probably sounds like he didn't live like that bad of a life in the u.s for him to document like the poverty that he saw in asia the way that he did like he called these people like lazy he called them racial slurs in his journals like 
It was this guy is so some funny. fucked up shit. This guy is so funny. Like just, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, just overall, the way he handled business in his later years, it's just so funny to hear that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, this. He's an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Um, so he so he traveled around Asia. He and his family got around. And then um, on the cusp of 1921, he and his family relocated to San Diego. I feel that. Like came back to the U.S., lived in San Diego for a while because that's where um, Navy ports were, I guess, where his dad was stationed. Then he he relocated to Seattle, another port where his dad was stationed. And... This was in his early, like, barely coming in as a teenager. Yeah, like, into his, like... This guy had already moved around a lot. Well, how did he get to... Like, he got to his grandma's house at one... Like, his grandparents' house at one point Mm -hmm. in in his high school years and dropped Mm out. But, um, did you ever get that far, by any chance? Yeah. So, he basically, he moved around, Mm -hmm. and then he moved back to the U.S., and, um, his parents moved back, but he stayed behind, and he lived... As far as I knew, I think it was with his aunt and his uncle mm. that he lived with. I can, I, my bad. It might have been that, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, he moved around from family. Mm-hmm. With, like, around, yeah, family yeah. member to family member. But he he lived with his aunt and his uncle for a while before he went back mm-hmm. to, I think it was Guam, where his, like, parents were staying at. Yeah. And then, um, but during his time, like, in the U.S., he joined the Boy Scouts, funny enough. And um, he... Like, later on, like, down the line, when he's, like, grown and shit, he recalls his time, like, in the Boy Scouts, when he joined the Boy Scouts, and he says that he was the youngest person ever to join the Boy Scouts, was the Eagle Scouts? Scouts. The Eagle Scouts, right? So, yeah, yeah, some shit like that. He joined mm. the Eagle Scouts. Something with boys. Something with boys and, and the woods. And scouting. And scouting. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... He claims that he was the youngest person ever Mm -hmm. to join that. And when he made that claim down the line, the Eagle Scouts, the Boy Scouts went back and said, like, there's no way to even prove that. Like, the Mm -hmm. record keeping wasn't, like... Even up up to snuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't even up to snuff to to be able to know who was the youngest person. Mm -hmm. And, um... I don't know, but but he and this is something that his followers like also because his followers really paint him to be this god, yeah, this like huge person. Yeah. And every claim, every little claim, grandiose <laughs> claim that he makes like that, his followers like, yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that was it's, it. It's very North Korea like. Oh yeah, like this. It's this very cult. like yeah. It's very Kim Jong Un is our leader, and only he can do the things that he does. Yeah, and that's it. L. Ron Hubbard is our leader, and of course he did all these things. You know, it, there's just stories. Yeah, made after this guy. Yeah, you know, very North Korea like this. This whole religion, the entire time I was like looking into this thing, I was just thinking like, this is did he just take a page out of their playbook? You know, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Again, like, and we'll we'll go more about his grandiose military life later, but yeah, but this guy he made like, and, and throughout his life he made a bunch of like ridiculous claims, mm-hmm. uh, like just like this. I'm, I'm, I was the youngest person to join the Eagle Scouts. Mm-hmm. It wasn't true. Um, he, he also claimed things like, um, 
like, like his time, he joined the Navy himself <clears throat> later on. Mm -hmm. And he made himself out to be like this hero, this person who got shit done. But if you really look at the records, it's like, no, he was discharged. He was a nuisance. Um, but we'll get into that later. So basically, he wrote a novel uh, way later down the line in 82. It's called Battlefield Earth. And um, he this is he recalls his time when he was young in this novel from his childhood visits to Asia. And he said he he saw old Shanghai. He saw Beijing. He saw the Western Hills. He saw um, this. He, he said he met this guy called Old Mayo. And he claimed that this guy, Old Mayo, was supposedly the last Chinese magician um, left. The last one? The last one. Wow. Yeah. Like these ridiculous claims that he made from like back in his time, like visiting Asia as he was a boy. It's a pretty bold statement to say the last one. Yeah. That's what like I feel like all of these things that he lived as a mm. child, he just included in his works later on down the mm. line and yeah. said like yeah. he like he and just boasted it or just like made it sound better than it was or just more intriguing than it was. Boasted it, exaggerated mm. it. He took all of these things that really happened and it just yeah. just blew them up. Like out of proportions, out of proportion, exactly. Mm. And, um, yeah, he said he spent weeks with Buddhist lamas. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he said he did like a lot of interesting stuff, like a lot of interesting, like mystical stuff out while he was in Asia. Mm -hmm. And, um, this like shaped a lot of like his writings, yeah, down the line. Um, he also. Again, at the same time, it's pretty it's pretty funny that like he recounted all of this stuff and all of this mysticism and all this wonder that he took with Asia. And at the same time, wrote very like derogatory things about the, the real life poverty mm. that he saw while he was there. Like, again, calling them. You said this in the 1980s where he was writing that, right? Based off of like, this Battlefield Earth, Battlefield right? Earth, what yeah. was going on there? Like, Bruce Lee was the shit. Everyone's like, oh, Asian culture, you know. Yeah, he was, again, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Trying to ca Just cash like, in. Cash in, yeah. cash in on that stuff. This guy's a fraud, yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, like super, everything about him is like super facetious because um, at the time, again, he was journaling all of this and he just referred to this as, as like, um, it, honestly, like if, if you were to read this bag, it sounds like the worst time of his life. Like all these racist slurs that he calls all of the Asians that he comes across, the poverty that he comes across. Um, he calls them lazy. Mm -hmm. He calls them like a bunch of horrible things. And then, um, yeah, so he this is from his young childhood. After that, he he leaves. Asia. He goes back home to the U.S. and he lives with his aunt and uncle for a while, right? Mm -hmm. And then while he's there, he he's still pretty young. He goes back into high school. He's still high school age at this point. He goes back into high school. He does terribly. Drops out, right? Drops out. Yeah, because he's just, he's not doing good. Mm -hmm. And then he goes back to his parents in Asia. And then he comes back to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Like he can't. I guess figure out what he likes. He comes back to the U.S. and then um, he rejoins. Uh, he rejoins high school, right? I, I'm yeah, I'm not quite sure he on that one. Rejoins high school when he comes back. He drops out, but then eventually he joins. Um, he tries to enlist 
in the Navy. Yeah. And he fails. Fails their exam. I think twice he failed the exam. Yeah. Twice he failed the exam, but he enlisted in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. He's 19 at this point. He enlists in the Marine Corps. He's in there for a while. It's like, I think it's the Marine Corps Reserves. The Marine Corps Reserves. Yeah. 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 yeah he's in there for a while. Not the actual Marine Corps, but like, you know, it's, well, it's interesting. Again, going back to like what Scientologists will tell you, <clears throat> this man was apparently like a decorated war hero. Yeah. You know, um, but anyways, go on. I'm sorry. No, yeah, yeah. What exactly what you were saying? Like oh, yeah. he paints his his time back in the Marine Corps as like yeah, and in the Navy, and the Navy too. Like he served like a little fast forwarding like his college years, but like he served in the in the U.S. Navy Reserve as well, and actually had active time in World War II from 1941 to 1945. Mm-hmm. He like Scientologists claim he got a Purple Heart in the in this time in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, Scientologists claim that he had battle wounds, gunshot wounds. He he helped. Um, hold his uh, comrades into battle, help lead them into victori- uh, victorious battles and all this stuff. None of this is true. Mm-hmm. Like his rank apparently was like this, like some other, some kind of lieutenant that's like super high ranked. That's not true. His rank was, his highest rank was a basic as lieutenant. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, this yeah. guy, his, his resume is so, so boasted up high. It's just like, and you can't, no Scientologist can dispute this. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, people celebrate, I think in Scientology, they celebrate five or six times a year certain achievements that L. Ron Hubbard did, mm. you know? Like, that's how up his ass they are. Like, Shit. I mean, this is a religion that has an office dedicated to him in every building that they have. Yeah. You know, he's not coming back, but Scientologists believe that they can come back, you know, in a, di- in a shape of a different form, you know? Yeah. Like, and that's going into his writing, you know, which... All right. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Like, oh fuck. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, Damn, that's crazy as fuck. So, so he goes to well, he goes to college around like nineteen like thirties, right? Gets out of there in thirty two. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to he. Okay. So he enrolls in uh, George Washington University. Um, and he graduates. No. Okay. So he. He he joins the the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve mm. at age twenty one. He's in there for about two years or so. Okay, but he's discharged after two years, and this is something that like he when he recounts it, he's like, "Oh, it was it was excellent. Da 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 da. Like mm-hmm. my performance was was the best. Whatever." But um. When they discharged him, they like wrote a note for not to be reenlisted. Like, don't reenlist this guy. Yeah, somehow he got back in though into like some. I think into the navy. Into the navy. So he was discharged from the Marine Corps. You would think that he, like that would be covered though. Yeah. It's like this guy can't be back overall. Yeah. In, in any military branch. Yeah. But I mean, there's I I don't know if there's any speculation of how he got back in. Maybe it was like a a, a letter of recommendation that he forged. So I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too sure exactly. But point is, he got back in. Um, but prior to that, uh, he married actually. He he married his first wife, uh, Margaret Grubb, in 1933. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lasted from 1933 to 1947. They had two children, uh, one son, one daughter. And uh, 1937 is when um, his he made his debut as an author. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's if you don't know he L. Ron Hubbard has the most amount of published work out for an author. And I don't know how great it is. A lot of it's sci-fi. 
you know, yeah. so the the creator of Scientology was a huge fiction writer. I don't know if anyone has anything to say about that, but there's that. Um, so, yeah, 1940, 1937, he's an author. 1941 is when he um, started, a, when he got back into the military as well. Um, he served the Marine Corps, uh, he served the um, Navy Reserve from 1941 to 1950, um, had active service from 41 to 45 in World War II. Um, he was, uh, Again, highest rank lieutenant. Uh, now, what we're going to go into right now is his works on Dianetics, the start of Scientology, pretty much. Uh, he started writing the thesis of Dianetics in 1948. Um, the, uh, and 1950 is when he made uh, Dianetics, the Modern Science of, of Mental Health. Um, this book basically sets up the principles of, uh, about the reactive mind that is like a term of Scientology yeah. where uh, you... Your mind is full of stress, trauma, all these hor- horrific events, and it's just known as a reactive mind. Yeah. Um, it has this thing called engrams in it. Basically, let's say if, like, if you were pregnant, right, or if your mother was pregnant with you, right, mm-hmm. and someone comes over, it's like, um, they say they say something to you like, hey, what's going on, you cheeky cunt, you know? Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that term, that derogative ter- term, or, like, this, like, negative emotion, like, is like re- retained in your in like maintained in you yeah, as known as an engram like this horrible thing let's say if your mom burned herself you know while you were pregnant while she was yeah, pregnant yeah. you know that's an engram right there yeah and it's like a, a deep memory yeah it's, a, it's a, essentially locked into your reactive mind yeah and dianetics helps take that reactive mind and make you go clear basically you take you learn about the forgotten memories. You start remembering them and you start just processing it through all the stress, all the trauma and everything like that. Yeah. And yeah, that's, um, that's essentially what he was trying to say. And yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because in 1950s, what kind of mental health conversation was anyone having? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's very yeah, like, he, he was kind of like a pioneer. Yeah. In that sense. It's very, it was very much either like, people in lab coats trying to figure it out scientifically, like we're having like lobotomies and all that stuff or whatever, or we're going to, or it's very like super, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of crazy shit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, it's so it's like some people here are just trying to feel better. So of course people got roped up on into his shenanigans. <clears throat> yeah. He's it's claiming like, he's got the answers here. It, it sounds like it's, it's really like a, a thing of, of you, you take a vulnerable group of people that don't have somebody to like look up to to follow or somebody that they think stands up for them and then here comes Owen Hubbard talking about like all hey, the answers here's, yeah yeah like here's this this simple theory mm-hmm. that I pose about like why you're fucked up in the head yeah real quick this guy had no peer reviews like none of his peers ever like mm-hmm. there's no public record of them reviewing this shit mm-hmm. and just being <clears throat> all about it uh <clears throat> his works were like denounced from everyone, like no one, no scientist or anyone of studying the brain or anything like that could back this up. His mm. shit was always like just being just taken down, and no one ever, no one ever backed him up on it. So in 19, again in 1950, he made another book called Dianetics: The Evolution of a Science. And uh, 1951 is when he's his uh, Dianetics Foundation started picking up. Also, he he started going bankrupt as soon as it started happening because he just wasn't good at money. Mm. He, he got um he uh he got bailed out by oh my goodness uh my guy 
Please. He got bailed out by by some rich guy. By some rich guy. Let me Don Purcell. There we go. Mm-hmm. Don Purcell bailed him out, and uh, their relationship didn't really last that well. But throughout um, the bailout, he got to write a little bit more books. Again, this guy is the most published author of all time. So I'm just gonna name all these books real quick. Uh, but going into the science of survival introduced the key elements of Scientology, a theta, okay. which a theta, aka a thetan, is a concept of oneself, like your spirit, your soul. A so, thetan? A thetan. Like okay, you okay. and I are thetans. Okay. And this is when he starts introducing that into it. It's like this a is thetan is a concept of oneself, spirit, or soul. Like your entity. So you how know. you perceive yourself, that kind of thing? Not how you perceive well, yes, and like also it's just your entity. Like, you know how the, how God is like the fucking Holy Spirit as well? Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine that, you know? It's just like you have, he's the God, like he's God, he's Jesus, and he's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's essentially, like, a Thetan is like, you are all three of those as well in your yeah. own sense, of, in your own sense of uh, uh, being, right? Yeah, yeah. And through Scientology, you can awaken yourself, you know? Yes. And you can. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can, you can take these. This fucking guy. You can take these rea- this reactive mind of yours in your Thetan body, you know, and just clear yourself of all this evil, of all these engrams and go and just. And help clear each sector of the galaxy, you know, mm-hmm. again, going into a lot. Um, and he starts going like in that same book, Science of Survival. Uh, he goes over the tone scale and the possibilities of past lives. So this makes it very. Uh, uh, very interesting because it don't it sets it up to like oh you know we could live forever kind of deal you know mm. this is why when you go into like Scientology Scientologist building like there's offices for him like so you can keep coming back to life you know it's just there's there's the hook line of sneaker right here yeah you know let's make yeah, yeah. this bitch into a religion you know so people yeah. can start believing the mysticism um there's self an self analyst uh ni- again 1951 he starts to introduce the laws of survival and abundance. So Scientology is very much into like we got to spread the word. They try to group in every celebrity that they possibly can. Like there's Tom Cruise, who's the most noticeable one. Leah yeah. Remini, who was like really into it, and then she checked out. John Travolta. There's all these celebrities that are, that are going. Bunch of people. I I don't know if Elizabeth Moss is in Scientology, but if she is, that'd be very interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's Elizabeth Moss? Uh, Penny from Mad Men. Oh. Yeah. Wait, what? Maybe yeah. she's a Scientologist? Why? I I remember looking up like famous Scientologists and I think I saw her picture. I don't know if I didn't look on it because I was like in that girl from Han- Han- Handmaid's Tale, yeah. <gasps> if she's a Scientologist, I'm gonna fucking flip. If she's a Scientologist, she's I'm watching Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. If she's a Scientologist, I'm watching that shit. Actually, I'm gonna watch Handmaid's Tale. It looks pretty good. I saw a preview of it on Hulu recently and I'm like, you know what? I didn't know what it was about until yesterday. Really? Because I was like, oh, this looks like dumb me and my sister were making fun of it we're like what the fuck is this show even about it's about women it's about women i think i I don't know she like and then she read the synopsis and we're like oh that sounds kind of good right it sounds good right oh (laughs) but anyways okay so self-analyst uh (laughs) is basically the laws of survival and abundance you know again Mm -hmm. they're trying to spread the word and they need people to back them up uh and also it's uh this book was about uh the efforts to reach immortality and our relationship with matter, energy, space, and time. This is broad discoveries made Shit. such as remembering uh, forgotten memories or forgetting traumatic ones. Basically creating that space for your mind to be clear and just able to operate. You know, it's like you take the trauma that you had in your past life or in your current life and you clear it up. You remember it just to clear it. 
or oh, you you have the ones that you stay that stay with you you clear it you know yeah. so this book was basically a way for you to um uh, get there yeah know? um again later in that year he made two more books uh there's advanced procedure and axioms and there's also a handbook for uh preachers so there's those i i all these books there's so many of them this There's guy was, he yeah. was the fucking Beatles of, of publicing, uh, publication of his own books. Yeah. You know? Like, you know how the Beatles like released what, nine albums in like, he like, just pumped shit out. Yeah. Just, he like, was just pumping it out. Constantly pumping out, man. And that's how you get like, I mean, how do you build your legend? How do you build your lore? You know? Well, even like during his time writing Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Right. Wasn't he like one of the most, like he, he put out the most work or something like that yeah no, like he, he was also a very efficient pulp fiction writer he was he, just i mean and i guess that makes sense because that was his job the guy was trying to make money that yeah straight up that that, that was his living he was like a, a penny content. a word writer I need content i need content baby he was all about pumping out content like just as fast and as 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 much as he can exactly exactly so going to 1952, he made a history of man. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard gives a general case of data and instructions on how to audit the whole track. That's quote unquote, the whole track. Mm -hmm. And that's basically all incidents lived by the individual known as the Thetan. So mm -hmm. you, the whole, like if you like through this book, you can learn how to audit. Basically you get someone else to use an e-meter and read your brainwaves and like it's going to, they'll be able to tell you about your engrams inside yeah. you and all that. It's it's a yeah. way for you to get someone else into Scientology and help clear yourself of any 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 reactive thoughts that you've ever had, you know. And and vice versa, you can do it to each other. Point yeah. is, get your neighbor, get your other neighbor, and we can all do it together. Fuck everything else. You do Scientology. Yeah. So there's that. Scientology 880 was also made in 1952, and this is how a thing can create energy and influence the env environment around them. Uh, wild shit their scientology 8808 also oh, wow. made in 1952 it's one of the most important uh books and explains how one could expand their universe to infinity um if wow. subjects are able to control the, the universe the subject could expand or make an effort on the uh on the shared universe so not only my universe but like your shared universe and if we all do it together we can go through each sector of the mm -hmm. galaxy and clear it all up mm -hmm. you know and really mm -hmm. Fuck it up, baby, in the name of Xenu. <laughs> uh, the creation of the human ability was made in 1954. This is where, like, the auditor's handbook comes into play. So people who got into e-meters um, and wanted to become an auditor for Scientology, this is basically your handbook. Um, Dianetics 55. Wait, explain e-meters to us. E-meters are basically, I couldn't explain it too well. we'll we're going to have to go into, um, like, death on this on another episode. But okay. um, e-meters are essentially a way for... A random person, they're real. Like they actually do a real thing where they they read like brainwaves. I'm not quite sure exactly what like what it's detecting on you, but Scientologists will like you'll be right across from me, like how you are right now, mm -hmm. and I'll have the e meter with me. It's just like this kind of meter that's just like like think of like a radioactive like meter kind of mm -hmm. like how it has all those like like those like scales and all that shit, mm -hmm. and it has like this one needle that kind of goes up and down. Mm -hmm. um, the e-meter will tell you, like, you'll ask, you, you'll ask me a question, right? And if the e-meter jumps a certain way. You'll be like, was that a, like, a negative thought about whatever? Was mm -hmm. that a negative thought about L. Ron Hubbard? Were you, thinking, were you oh. thinking like this? Were you thinking like that? And in a way, it's almost like hypnotizing. 
wow. you into like into whatever they believe. Um, there was an episode of uh, Mean Book Club uh, that they did a they did an episode on Dianetics, and at the end of it, they two of the hosts like actually audited each other. Yeah, and I was listening into it, and it just sounded like hypnotism. Like I was questioning it so hard like yeah like always going with the questions and everything it was just like whoa this feels like not even real it's a lot of like here's the scenario do you remember this do you remember yeah. that what are you who are you start over same questions yeah over and over and over and over yeah you know so this is like auditing is just a way it seems like a way to get really like into into the brain of like your scientologist peers or anyone else and just try to keep them in there Shit. It's wild. Um, yeah, that sounds um, <clears throat> like, uh, as we were saying off the pod, like very paranoid. Like it's a paranoid culture that yeah. they really foster. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's also, it promotes like writing people out because if you start auditing. Snitching and shit. Yeah, again, very North Korean like. Yeah. Where it's like if you know someone did something and you choose not to say anything, but that person who did that thing like rats on you for not saying anything as well, mm-hmm. but also rats on themselves. Like, it's I a way mean, to keep you checked. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like everyone's watching everyone. Yeah, essentially. Essentially, like if you if you rat if you do something wrong and that person that you were with doesn't like rat you out, you know you don't know that for sure. So you might as well rat them out before they rat you out. Yeah. And take an easier punishment, and the the other person who didn't rat you out, yeah, will take a more severe punishment. Yeah. So shit, dude. Wild, but it's how they keep their people in check. You know. Yeah. So, okay, in 1954, he made the creation of the human ability. Again, Auditor's Handbook. I just read that. My bad, guys. Uh, nine, uh, in uh, 1954, he also created Dianetics 55, exclamation mark, which is the long range of uh, processing uh, and centering around the subject of the individual communication with their environment. So basically, you know, if you read this book, you'll get in tune with life around you, everything around you, nature and all that jazz. It will be one um, and in 1956, he made Scientology the fundamentals of thought. Um, this is basically the basic Scientology principles. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all the books that he created in the, in the 1950s that made a huge, like this is the lore of Scientology right here. Um, throughout this time though, he did go through a different wife. Um, he, uh, so his first, his first wife, Margaret, um, Margaret Group. Uh, they actually got a divorce in 1947, mm-hmm. uh, but he started hooking up with his other chick named Sarah Northrop Hollister in 1946. Oh. So he oh, actually shit. married Sarah in 1946 or 47, um, and uh, without knowing that he was already married to Margaret, he um, yeah oh he, shit yeah this guy was practicing polygamy. Uh, so he gets for a while. Yeah, so he gets married with Sarah and they moved into Jersey. And uh again, he's still married to Margaret. And without Sarah's knowledge, Hubbard, you know, and Sarah moved back to Washington. And um this is where Margaret already is. So they oh, run in, they run into each other. You know, he's, he's like, let's go. He marries Sarah, go to New Jersey, and then moves back to Washington where Margaret already is already at. You know, oh shit. Margaret dude. finds out and a year later she somehow gets like uh Gets the divorce court to be like, yo, fuck this guy. You know, like yeah. he divorces his ass, takes the kid, takes the kids and goes. Um, a year go by and, um, oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, El- that, that's a lot. Holy yeah, fuck. It's wild, bro. Um, so his second marriage wasn't that great either. 
So they get married in 1947, and in the 1950s, uh, well, in late 1950, I shouldn't say the 1950s, but in late 1950, L. Ron Hubbard is back at it again. He's this time he's sleeping with his assistant, and Sarah is also sleeping with an auditor. So she, they're both kind of like, oh, fuck this relationship. Mm-hmm. But Elrond kind of takes it to a whole new level. <clears throat> and he denounces the couple to the FBI in March 1951 by, protecting, by uh, portraying them in a letter uh, as uh, communist infiltrators. The mm-hmm. FBI didn't take this. They were like, no, dude, we're not, we're not taking, taking this seriously at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard, with, uh, with the help of two foundation staff, um, took Sarah and their one-year-old daughter to San Bernardino of all places, shout out, shouts uh, to find a doctor that would just diagnose her as mentally insane. Couldn't oh, find wow. the couldn't find the doctor at all. And so he took her to San Bernardino. He took her to San Bernardino. He had to take her to San Bernardino just to, to find get a, a diagnosis. doctor crazy enough to even think about it. Um, so he find he tries to find a doctor. The doctor doesn't do it. Um, so he freed Sarah, but he took her. He took their daughter, their like one year old daughter, to Havana, Cuba, and Sarah files for divorce in 1951. She eventually got back her daughter, but in order to do so, she had to she had to agree on the settlement about uh, uh, this statement. Like she was bad mouthing oh L. Ron Hubbard like so hard, and L. Ron Hubbard agreed to give back his daughter. Let me find this statement real quick. But she had to agree to. Um, wow, that this sounds like a whole fucking. This is a soap opera, dude. This guy is wild. It's a wild boy. Not they went to Cuba. Not they. <laughs> Not they're uh, in Cuba now. Yeah, it's um, it's a little, it, it hurts a little bit, but um, oh man, guys, I gotta find this actual like drive. Um, basically, like he he sent her um a, uh, a letter saying that she had to agree about um what she said about him, and it's basically saying like I've never said this about Ron Hubbard. Yeah, and he's a fine, brilliant man. You know, and she had to clear sign up his on name, it. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, clear his name and saying like he's never done anything like that. He's never beaten me. He's never done anything like that. He's never, he's never fucked around. You know, he's always been a brilliant guy. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> you just wanted her, she just wanted her daughter back, so she yeah. signed up on that. And, and also, he cleared his name in that way. Uh, Which to I this mean, day, it's on, it's on not, record now. I mean, if you watch uh, Leah Remini's aftermath, you can see Scientology still uses those practices because in order for the people to leave Scientology in their proper channels, you have to conduct an, an exit an interview. An exit interview, yeah. yeah. And basically, you are on record saying, like, just saying, like, you know, yeah. being questioned, has we ever, have we ever done this to you? And for most people who are trying to leave Scientology by that time, they're down to say whatever the fuck they have to say yeah. in order to get the fuck out. So it sounds like his ex-wife was like, yeah, I don't give a fuck what I have to say. Yeah, you're a great guy. You're brilliant. You got a fucking big dick and everything like that. Just give me my daughter. You Just know? give me my daughter back. It, exactly. Which is so fucked up. That, that, that's like so sad Yeah, that, that she has to like... I mean, uh, like, do all this, like, work around him, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, his demands this and, guy like, the wild. demands of the church. Wild boy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and it's a bit crazy how he got people to help him out with this shit. That, that's, yeah. yeah, that's the crazier part that he got people to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, like, in 1951, too. This is, like... Back in the day. This is when Scientology was barely starting up. Yeah. So... Anyways, uh, by the 1960s... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm skipping around here. So 1951 goes by, their divorce and all that. But he meets another 
lady mm-hmm. named Mary Sue. This guy did not stop. He was he kept pouncing going. on it. He, he really was, was pouncing on it. He was like, "I'm hungry for more, please." You know. Yeah. He was just he. This guy can never be left alone. He was in one marriage after the next mm-hmm. after the next with the bear sprinkled all through. Yeah. You know, this yeah. guy had mad mad issues here. Um, so he finds shortly after he finds um, Mary Sue Whip, and they have four children. Three of them are during the days of Scientology's booming. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting wild. Like he's he him and her have their own thing, and as Scientology's progressing into the fifties, he has more kids. Mm-hmm. Um, by the nineteen sixties, L. Ron Hubbard made Scientology a worldwide name already. Mm-hmm. Um, but also by nineteen sixty six, Scientology was being banned in West Australia, South Australia, the UK press, the British uh, for. Um, for actions against Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard tried to create a safe space for Scientology in Zimbabwe, but at the time it was known as Rhodesia. Uh, the prime minister refused and did not choose to renew his visa at all. So they were, they had to go to Canada, try again. They had to go to New Zealand, try again, South Africa, and try again. But at the end of 1966, L. Ron Hubbard ended up purchasing a fleet of ships, three of them mm. to be exact, and he had he had an eight year explorative with them and mm-hmm. throughout those eight years <clears throat> he created the sea organization which is like the sea the, org the is known as like the diehard members of scientology mm-hmm. these are the people mm-hmm. who are members this is like if you go to uh i guess catechism you know this is the this is it you know this yeah. is your thing yeah. you know, you're a sea org member yeah that's the best i can put it um Basically, like they never stayed really, really anywhere. Um, they, if they did stay anywhere, it would be a six weeks at a time. Like uh, they went to Morocco a couple of times. Like they went, they went all from the Mediterranean Sea to Eastern North Atlantic Sea. They, they were all around. Um, a fleet stayed at uh, Corfu for several months in 1968 to 1969. But by mid 1972, um, they were in Morocco and was wow. yeah, they were in Morocco. Crazy enough. <laughs> These guys were fucking everywhere. They're wild, wild boys. Well, isn't that they took to the sea because like they they couldn't be ruled well, like, yeah. on the sea? You like the say- sea is the sea. They, yeah. There's not a country. Yeah. I yeah. guess like they're in international waters or whatever, but it's harder for sure. to for sure. Right? To regulate them. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. How do you regulate you're just them? On the sea? You just spread the word. You know, you come by sea, you know, you <laughs> land for a couple weeks, spread the word, dip, go somewhere else, yeah. dip, go somewhere yeah. else, dip, you know? Yeah. So, speeding up to 1972, um, he's being faced with legal threats from France regarding the uh, French Church of Scientology and fraud and custom violations. Um, So, he's like, fuck this. I'm going to go in hiding. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. He goes into hiding into... This is like the big... um... Like criminal, criminal. See, this is charge. where his life starts getting really sad because this is where I'm like, what's good is mon- What's yeah. good is money if you're gonna end up doing this kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's good is power if you're gonna end up doing this kind of shit. Honestly. Yeah. So in 1972, he ends up going into um, Queens. Uh, he goes in hiding in Queens, New York. Uh, he returns to his flagship in 1973. During his time, Elron Hubbard grew ill. He already had. He was already a chain smoker. He was obese. He had bursitis, which is like that little bump on your elbows or your, your, that red bump on your elbows or your knees. What? Wait, what? 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 Basically, I think uh, like you're not getting um, uh, proper uh, flow, like <gasps> blood flow through your um, through your elbows and all that, or through your joints. And what happens is like That's a little. What that is. A, yeah, you've seen it before, right? Yeah. Those big red bumps on your. Yeah. Yes, bursitis. Ah. <gasps> <laughs> um. <laughs> so yeah, he had recited. He had a, 
He had a noticeable growth in his forehead, and he also suffered a motorcycle incident in 1973 as well, had a heart attack in 1975, had pulmonary embolism, and fell into a coma in 1978. Um... This guy went through a lot of medical issues. It sounds like it. Yeah. But in going back to 1975, though, he was trying to acquire a land base, in quotes, uh, in Clearwater, Florida. And Clearwater, Florida today is known as like Scientology, Scientology capital of, like I think, the world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, I, we'll go into that one, too. That's a, all, a lot of these things that I was trying to do research on. Like I wanted to give you guys more information on it. But to be honest with you guys, it's a lot. It's very dense. And um, we're just going to break this down to chunks. Yeah. So this is going to be an ongoing series for you guys. If you like it, you know, Mm -hmm. hit that Mm -hmm. like button, subscribe, smash that that bell. Hit that. (laughs) All that good shit. That bell. (laughs) Ring that bell, baby. (laughs) Anyways, anyways. So they try to find some some land in uh, a land base in Clearwater, Florida. Uh Uh, His location was supposed to be hidden, covered, but his cover was blown. uh, It's like a month later. Like mm-hmm. a month into living in Florida, his cover was blown. So he had a dip, ended up going to Georgetown, Washington without his wife, but mm. took his aides and his messengers. Um, six months later, uh, loca- his location was compromised and he moved to Culver City, California. He stayed there for three months. Uh, he shortly moved to Olive Tree Ranch in La Quinta after that. And in between this time, though, his second son, Quentin, committed suicide uh, in Las Vegas. So, wow. In the midst of all these things, his son, his second son, Quentin, committed suicide. Wow. Yeah. That was sudden. Holy yeah. Shit. I mean, this guy, this guy lived a life. And honestly, I wouldn't want to be his kid either. Like, dad's <laughs> yeah. running amok. Fucking who knows what. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Brainwashing all these people. Um, I agree. You know what? At, at, at the end of the day, after all of this, me neither. <laughs> I wouldn't want that either. Yeah, I wouldn't want it either. I wouldn't. Uh, the French court, uh, they start charging him in uh, absentia for obtaining money under false pretenses. Uh, he was sentenced for four years in prison and a seven, $7,000 fine. Um, he ended up hiding in an apartment in Hemet, California mm-hmm. once he got wind of that. And um, for his first few years of hiding, that's when he started making Battlefield Earth and Mission Earth. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that 10-volume series was published between 1985 and 1987. It's like in the in his solitude, he got really inspired to write more. That's good. Mm-hmm. He's getting mm-hmm. back on the horse. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, <laughs> in absence, though, uh, in his absence of hiding, a veteran group of Sea Org members decided to de-platform de-pla- L. Ron Hubbard. And uh, David Miscavige, who is the current leader of Scientology right now, uh, became the became the de facto leader mm-hmm. you know they were like yo fuck this guy you know he's not here what good is he doing here and david miscavige really ended up taking that like that just that cake and started i don't know what the saying is fuck it but like he really took advantage of that situation where you know he wanted to be a leader you know noticed the guy was gone noticed his health was bad and just went on it he pounced um mary sue hubbard was forced to uh, resign uh, after David took over and her daughter Suzette, it says right here that she was she was made to be his maid. Uh, like David Miscavige ended up making Mary Sue resign, and his daughter just, I guess, was ended up being a his own personal maid, um, which is kind of wild. Uh, the last two years of uh, uh, 
L. Ron Hubbard's life. Uh, he lived in a luxury motor home on a 160-acre ranch near Creston, California. Wow. Still in hiding. And in 1985, uh, the church is getting notified that, he, that the IRS is looking for him for tax fraud. And uh, so at the end of it, he, in 1986, he gets con- uh, chronic pancreatitis and he has a stroke and dies a week later. Oh, shit. Yeah. And that's the end of... That's the end of that guy. That's the end of that guy. That's the end of his life. And what a life. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's just... What a life he lived. It was, like, throughout this whole thing, it's just him deceiving people, lying to people, stealing money. I mean, like, I only gave you guys, like, the spark notes of what I thought was interesting, but throughout this entire thing, you, like, Don Purcell, he cheated that guy out in millions of dollars. Like, he took people's money for no reason and just started fucking around like spending it like it was owned he was the kind of guy that if he would ask you for money he would come back to you months later and ask for more shit dude you know it's just his life was so interesting and just so full of just bullshit and just him running and and running and running only for him to die in a luxury rv what the fuck is good as that you know yeah yeah yeah. like oh it's like you, you know, yes yeah, i don't know Damn. but where he took the religion you know i really tried to like not shit on this thing um <laughs> like uh, i talked to this professor at work all the time and he was like you know you should uh you should try to get in the good things about it but honestly alan i don't see anything good about this <laughs> but if you okay if you had to what are what are the good things about it i don't know like there's I mean, like in the very beginning, yeah, of, it's hard to pick out like something good about like what, any like, of this. Like it's it's interesting trying to like control yourself and like just you know control the composure in yourself and really mm-hmm. try to be a better person. But you can do that with meditation too. Fuck it, that's been around longer. But true, <laughs> yeah, true. But overall, guys, we just wanted to tell you about L. Ron Hubbard, our boy. <laughs> our boy L. Ron Hubbard. He still got an office somewhere, you know. Uh, I mean this religion is still going strong still yeah. going very strong and david miscavige is the reason why their tax exempt status you know the yeah. current leader of scientology will have an episode dedicated to that guy which that one gets a little more brutal yeah it gets way brutal like his actions miscavige miscavige yeah um shit man like it's these members these this 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 religion is this re- I mean it's super it's, the most the most successful cult out of them all. Yeah. I mean, by far, at least in modern times, and it's just someone's like someone's gonna say Christianity and maybe Judaism's gonna yeah, be that. If, but if we're going way back, if we're right? going like but in we're those talking rules, about yeah. recent history. We're talking modern times, baby. Like celebrities that you know now are Scientologists, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's kind of a big deal. Right. Well, they pursue. They want. They want celebrities. They think they're cult. They're they're trendsetters. They're yeah. they're they're rich in culture. They they're the best minds ever. You know, and I don't think that's true, like at all. But that's what they were trying to go for. And, and back in the day, like when they were trying to recruit Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, John Travolta, all this shit, mm-hmm. they were really trying to make their 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 careers better. Yes, you know, and back in the day when there wasn't any cancel culture kind of stuff, and where there's any anything that's like not you're moving down track all the time, you probably got everything you wanted through this religion. Yeah, but nowadays I feel like it's just dying off. Their their uh, the rules are all fucked. We'll have an episode dedicated just to the rules, too, guys. We'll talk about the bridge of of yeah, just to, of how they run things. Yeah, for starters, how they bridge it all off and everything like that. And um, yeah, guys, 
With that being said, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. That was the the life of L. Ron Hubbard, founder of uh, of Scientology, creator of Dianetics, and all, all around, around party guy, <laughs> all around interesting guy. Dream in the dream blunt rotation for sure. In the dream blunt rotation, one hundred percent. L. Ron Hubbard, one hundred. And I'm not kidding; he really is. That'd be wild. I was thinking, like, what if you had like L. Ron Hubbard, Charles Manson. And name another cult leader or something like that. I don't know. The fucking Zodiac Killer. I don't give a fuck. Mm, I, I don't know. Yeah. Who, who am I? Who's your third in that blunt rotation? Cult leader? Cult leader's I mean, edition? Some, someone crazy. I don't care. You know. Someone I don't crazy. know. I'm just thinking about the blunt rotation my sister showed me yesterday. Mm. And it was like Princess Diana, That'd Jake the dog. Jake the dog. SZA. Jake the dog. From Adventure Time. Oh, okay. Oh, Jake the dog. Oh, I thought you were saying Jake the dog. You know, the dog. The Jake dog. the dog. Yeah, I don't know what my dream blunt rotation Nicki would be. Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Princess Diana and Nicki Minaj. I would love to hear that. Yeah. And SZA I think and Jake I'd, the dog. I think I'd rather hear Princess Diana, Cardi B, and who is okay to to end this episode? Who's your dream blunt rotation? That's hard, rotation? man. That's hard. I guess Lex Freeman for sure. That's how I want to see that guy high. <laughs> <laughs> um. <sighs> Um, Tim Dillon, um, although he's sober now, I feel I would feel really bad if he actually smoked. Um, but if he wanted to, it'd be really oh, cool. Oh, he's sober? I didn't know that. He's sober, yeah. Um, <clears throat> who else? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yep, that's it. Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. No, may, maybe not. Okay, that third one's a hard one. That third one's a very hard one. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe Michael Malice, maybe Alex Jones. Oh, Alex Jones is a good one. Yeah, Tim Dillon, Alex Jones, Lex Friedman, myself. That's such a dude blunt rotation. Yeah. I mean, I just want to laugh. <laughs> I just want to laugh and talk to a Russian. <laughs> Hell yeah. That How about out. you? Like, who you got? Shit. It's on the spot. Yeah, go. you got to go. Okay, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good answer. My mom. Yeah, okay, I'm going to change that. Let's get... Um, <laughs> Let's get Alex Jones out of here. Throw my mom in there. <laughs> I would love to smoke a blunt with my mom. Me, my yeah, mo- dude, everyone my mom, who wouldn't want to have yeah. their mom in a dream blunt rotation. Yeah, Unless my, your mom's like that, then I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. My mom, honestly, I know she can toke. She would laugh so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's mom should be in their dream blunt rotation. For sure. 100%. For sure. For sure. 100%. So it should be Lex Friedman, mm-hmm. Alex Jones, and your mom. Yeah. <laughs> who, did, who did you swap out? <laughs> I took out um no Tim I took, Dillon? No, 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 no. I took Alex Jones out and I want Tim Dillon in. Okay, so Tim Dillon, Lex mm-hmm. Friedman, and your mom. Yeah. That's that's a dream a dream blunt rotation. That's a dream. For sure. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So you got your mom? My mom. Riches. My cat. Your cat. My dog, Coco. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I need. Damn, no Frida. I'm Frida. You only get three. Then that's it. Okay. I'd rather have a, I'd rather have Coco than Frida. I feel it. She seems in like a, a blunt rotation. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love Frida, but in a blunt rotation, I'd rather have Coco. I want to pick her mind. <laughs> I want to pick her brain. I want to see what if she's talking. Talk. Yeah. Richard, I want to see my, what she's my all about. My cat is all about murder, bro. Like. And I want to know why. I want to. I want to ask her. <laughs> like. I want to ask like, her why, why did she you, does that. Why did you leave that like quarter of a rat with no guts why in the front of our that? door today? Why did you do that? That's, that's all I want to know. We're talking oh, about having a, a day since last murder 
on her on her hallway again. Like you should like, do that. Like, you know, like days since last accident, mm-hmm. it's gonna be days since last murder. Yeah, we used to do it. I just haven't gotten the markers, but I'll get the markers. Yeah, you guys should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cats are interesting, guys. And so is L. Ron Hubbard. (laughs) And so is L. Ron Hubbard. And I hope you enjoyed this episode about him today. I hope you guys tune in for the next installation of Scientology. And um, stay tuned. And if there's any interesting tidbits, any interesting facts that you guys know about L. Ron Hubbard, about Scientology that you guys want to share with us. Drop them. Drop them in the comments um, on Twitter, on Instagram, at 2in1pod. And uh, yeah, we'll be back again next week with another episode. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll catch you next time. Love you. May Zinu, may, may Zinu protect you. Yes. Bye-bye.